many of you loved Christmas as a child? Raise your hands if you, if you love Christmas as a child. Some of you maybe can remember the awe and the wonder of what it felt like as a child. You can remember the, the smells of certain foods. You can remember the, the presents uh, that were under the tree. You can remember decorating the tree or whatever Christmas traditions your, your family had. You can remember seeing relatives or, or whatever it is. There are different things as a child that when the season approached, when you were a child, it was just this sense of this is the most amazing season of the year. You remember the music and and you remember the presence as a child, and, and uh, you remember everything like the presence as a child. You, you remember those presents that, uh, that you had as a child. It was a time where you were filled with wonder and amazement. But as I told you last week, my daughter uh, is more of a realist. She kind of takes uh, after me like that. She's more of a realist than an idealist, and uh, she, from the time that she was little, we could not get her to believe in Santa Claus. And, and that's okay. That's, you know, like every child to each his own, that's okay. But the problem entered in, in the fact that not only did she not believe in Santa Claus, but she wanted to make sure that no one else believed in Santa Claus either. And so she told her younger brother, Santa Claus isn't real, and she told her entire kindergarten class, Santa Claus isn't real. She was destroying the wonder and the amazement and the awe of many children's lives. She knows that I'm teaching, I'm teasing her uh, this morning. But what happens is as we grow older and as we become adults, we lose the amazement because we are stuck in what I call the actuality. And, and the actuality is just another word for reality. We get stuck as adults in this, your actuality replaces your amazement. We can begin to feel the reality of Christmas and the reality of life and life's ups and downs and everything life has to offer and all, all of, you know, kind of the, the ho-hum, the I've been there, I've done that, yes, we're decorating the tree. And I just wanted to admit to you this morning that up until the last couple years, I have been the Scrooge at the Northup House. And I know some of you, don't get mad at me, I love you, and don't, don't judge me. Some of you are the Scrooge, so don't judge me right now, but I've been the Scrooge at our house. I'm the one, because I'm thinking about all of the decorations that go up, they must come what? Down. And the excitement is in the air when they go up, but the excitement is not as thrilling when they come down, Right? And so I've been the one that, that didn't want to put the lights around the house, and I've been the one that, you know, why do we got to do that? And I've been the one that, you know, let's not play Christmas music and all of that. And I've, you know, even said things like, we need to celebrate Jesus every day of the year. And, and you know, why, why are we just doing it during Christmas? Some of you are really, I can feel judgment. This is like a judgment zone right now that's happening. Uh, but, I, and, and I was thinking about this as I was prepping for this sermon series going, it's supposed to be awesome. There's supposed to be an awe and a wonder that happens. But somewhere along the line, as an adult, the realities of life and the realities of Christmas hit me, and I lost the wonder. I lost the awe, the amazement of it all. Here's what I want to tell you today. All of us long for more awe and more amazement in our hearts. 
we all wonder, is there any more to life than just this? And I'm here today to tell you that maybe you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you're here in the room and somebody invited you or you're here because you, you know, heard about this great community and, and you're here to make a friend or somebody promised you lunch after service or, or you know, whatever it was and the reason you're here. Be, but I just want to tell you that there is an awe and there is a wonder and there is an amazement and everything you were created to long for is actually fulfilled in this person of Jesus. It, is actually, it actually comes true with this person of Jesus. We long to be connected to our creator. The way that that happened was through the person of Jesus coming to, to the planet. We long to be loved by, by Father God. The reason that we can be loved by our Father God is because we can be connected to him because of the person of Jesus. He can fulfill this awe, this wonder, this amazement in our lives. You want to hear something amazing? Creator God, the creator of the universe, the, the person who was, there was not a beginning with him and there is no end with him. He actually sent, he became God, sent his son on the planet to be wrapped in swaddling clothes as a baby in a manger. That is awesome. I could tell some of you are like more on the ho-hum of Christmas by your, your facial expression right now, okay? That is amazing. Everybody say amazing. Let's try this. Let's say amazing with a smile. Everybody say, that's amazing. Okay, you're, you're getting the awe. It's coming, okay? And, and so he did that so we could reconnect. He could reconnect himself to us so we could have a relationship with him. And I want you to know that every part of this story is awesome. There is so much wonder, so much awe that is connected to every part of this story. The shepherd's part of this story, that, is, that story is filled with awe and wonder. The magi, we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. That, is filled, that story is filled with wonder and with awe. And then Mary and Joseph, this interaction that they have here today, that is filled with wonder and with awe. So with that awe and that wonder in mind, let's, let's just quickly go through this text Again, the Bible says this in Luke 1, 26 through 27. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So here's Mary. Most theologians tell us that she's between 12 and 14 years old. And at 12 to 14, these are different times, different days, don't get any ideas, okay? Uh, between 12 and 14, she's actually already pledged to be married. And the way that they did this back then is that your parents would actually choose your mate for you. How many of you are glad those days are over, okay? And so, hey, put your hand down. And so, so... Mary is, she's as good as married, okay, but they haven't, the ceremony has not happened. The wedding has not taken place, but her parents have already chosen Joseph as her mate, and, and then this angel is coming. This was already a done deal, and it was kind of traditional, so your parents would say, here's who you're pledged to be married to. You'd have the ceremony, then followed by kids, okay, then followed by your, you, you choosing their mate, grandkids, all of it is, is, is happening, but Wait a second. Hold up. Wait a minute. Put a little. All right, let's move on. Verse 28. The angel went to her and said, greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The Bible actually goes on in the next verse to say, the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Well, why do you think the angel would say that? Here's why. Because she was afraid. You got to know, not every angel visit in the Old Testament ended well. Okay? So this is kind of like, are you the good witch? Are you the bad witch? You know, that kind of thing. Like, uh, like what, which, what, what's going to happen here? And so she's afraid. And so the angel says, don't be afraid. Some of you go, man, I wouldn't be scared if an angel showed up. I'd be excited. I would love to see that in person. I would love to see you not be afraid and take a video and put it on Instagram. So Luke 1, 30 through 33, but the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. She found favor. Now, here's what I want to help you understand. It wasn't that she was God's favorite, and it wasn't that he was doing her a favor. She just had favor, the same kind of favor that any other woman that had been obedient to God and to his plan had. And so we, we are thankful for Mary's response throughout this process, but we don't hold her above what God's going to do through his son in, in this process. And so she's just like along for the ride here, y'all. She's just like, whoa, I was just pledged to be married and, you know, kind of a normal deal. But now you're like, you're telling me I'm going to have a son, but I'm a virgin. This is crazy, y'all. Luke uh, 134. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Good question. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. So she said, I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? How many of you know this doesn't happen every day? Hello? Now, here's what's cool. The angel says, don't even worry about how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to take care of that. Gabriel, the angel, doesn't, doesn't say, well, here's, what the, here's how the process of the Holy Spirit is going to do, and then there's going to be this part of your body, and then here's what's going to happen. In essence, there's nothing sexual going on here by any means. This is literally just God saying, hey, I'm going to fulfill my promise and my plan through my own power. I can handle this promise that I'm giving you, and I can handle this plan that I've unfolded through my own power. So, and literally, the angel kind of destroys, like, any kind of surprise here, okay? And so, the angels, like, they're giving the baby's gender. Well, there goes the big gender reveal party, you know? There goes the sonogram, you know, finding out, and... Uh, the, the angel gives her the, the baby's name, so there's no need for a baby name book, you know, at this point. The, uh, the angel gives her a description of the baby, so no wondering now, you know, like, is this going to be an athlete? Are they going to be, you know, smart or, you know, whatever? The, well, the angel kind of literally just lays it all out there. He's, he's, you're going to have a boy. His name's going to be Jesus. By the way, no pressure. He's God, you know, uh, but... You know, and, and so the angel gives her all of this, and then watch what happens in verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me 
be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, here's what I want you to grasp as the band gets ready to come forward. Gabriel says, no word from God will ever fail. I want you to say that with me. Say, no word from God will ever fail. Get this in your heart this morning because this is where we're going to land the plane here. Hebrews 11.1 says this. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith gives us the confidence that, and that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. There's this word that I want you to get this morning as we land this plane called hope. Everybody say hope. Now, here's the issue with the word hope. The issue with the word hope is when we say hope in the English language, it actually is more like chance. I hope the Saints win the Super Bowl. I hope that I, this $2 Powerball ticket actually pays off. Okay? I hope I get that end-of-the-year bonus that my boss was going to give me. I hope that I get over this cold that I've had. I hope. So we attach the word hope to chance. In the English language, it's attached to chance. But in the Bible, when you hear the word hope, it's actually attached to certainty. It's not chance. It's certainty. So here's what I want you to get this morning and what I want you to write down for the four of you that like to take notes. God's promise of Jesus Plus, God's promises to us equals our ability to have hope and to surrender to his plan. Here's what I want you to grasp this morning. If God can pull off a virgin birth and he can fulfill his plan and his promise for what I think is the greatest miracle of all time, the virgin birth. Guess what? He could fulfill his promises to you. You know what? Ain't no big deal for God. God's got this. What does God have? Well, let me give you just a few of his promises today. There's, there's dozens, probably hundreds more in the Bible. I just thought I'd throw a few of you. If you want to do a fun Google search sometime, just Google God's promises. Here's one. Financial provision. Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. The salvation of your house. Acts 16 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You and your household. Help in times of trouble. Isaiah chapter 30 Verse 19, he will be very gracious to you at the voice of your cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer you. The list could go on and on and on of God's promises. I want you to get this in your heart. God, whatever he promised to you, it is no big deal. And we can reflect on the greatest plan and the greatest promise of all time, and that is sending Jesus through the virgin 
birth through his power and we can go, you know what? If God can do that, God's got his promises to me and they're, they're all said and amen and well taken care of. Amen? It's like this, friends. Listen. It depends whose hands it's in. How many of you know when you try to take your life back into your own hands, you limit the power that can happen and the blessing of God and the promises of God? It depends whose hands it's in. Listen to this. A basketball in my hands is worth about $19. A basketball in LeBron James's hands is worth about $35 million. It all depends whose hands it's in. A football in my hands is worth about $6. A football in the hands of Drew Brees is worth about $24 million. It all depends whose hands it's in, doesn't it? Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands is two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands. Two fish and five loaves of bread in God's hands will feed thousands of people. It all depends on whose hands it's in. Nails in my hands might produce a birdhouse. Actually, probably not. It wouldn't produce anything. But nails in Jesus Christ's hands will produce salvation for the entire world. It all depends whose hands it's in. As you can see, put your concerns, your worries, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, your families, your relationships, put them in God's hands. Because if He can fulfill the promise of the virgin birth, then He can fulfill His promises to you. And here's what I want. I want us to avoid the natural human response to what God wants to do in our life. If it was me and the angel came and visited me, if it was you, our natural human response would probably look a little different. It would be, how am I going to explain this to my mom and dad, angel? It would be, Angel, is there any other way? Is there like a plan B in heaven? But Mary doesn't do any of that. Here's what she says. I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. What do you need to say that? What area do you need to say that in in your life this week? Here's what I want you to know. For your family, no word of God will ever fail. Will you respond in surrender and rest in his plan? In your workplace, no word of God will ever fail. Can you respond to God in surrender and rest in his plan? This Christmas, as you're stressed about the holidays, I want you to respond to God in surrender and rest in his plan. As you're thinking about the merger, And what this church is going to look like going forward. And maybe that stresses you out. And maybe you go, what about this? And what about that? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to respond to God in surrender and rest in his plan. It's his plan. It's his promise. And guess what? His power will be what fulfills those promises and those plans.
I want God to restore the awe and the wonder of his promises to us in our lives. Because faith says, I trust God enough to surrender even when I don't fully understand what the outcome will be. This morning, I don't know what it is you have in your life that you need God's promise and you need God's plan. But I just want you to rest in his plan and in his promise this morning and say, like Mary said, may it be unto me your servant. I surrender to your will, to your promise, to your plan.